let's get going here. Sure. There's many uh, things that I would like to cover. Um, so, uh, yeah, man, let's dive into it. And oh, oh, first off, Houston, welcome back yes. to the show. I think it's your fourth you. time on. Um, yeah, fourth. So we had two chats. Then we, you and Will and I had a chat about uh, neoliberalism and the end of the world. And yes. then, yeah, this is number four. And you've been on my show once. Yes. Right? Yeah. True. So, yeah. yeah, we're at five then altogether. Yeah. Um, wild times. Long Are time. you recording and everything? Just uh... Yeah, yeah, I'm going now. Okay. All right. All right. All right. Um, so, <laughs> so, yeah. So, fucking, before we get to GameStop, which I'm sure we will cover, um, before we get there, FTX, um, like, what the fuck, man? Like, like just just Crimes. QuickBooks for accounted on a billion dollar company like quickbooks <laughs> like what the fuck was going on there and then they were like what was it they were all renting an apartment all 10 of them together in some like, yeah, like a 90 million dollar uh penthouse yeah right yeah and they were and they're having like 10 molecule fucking, yeah or yeah. like, like <laughs> of of just let's just face it like if you're a billionaire this is this is the uh this is what you're pulling <laughs> i mean it, if they hadn't, you know, I don't know if I'd use the word defrauded, but if they hadn't lost people billions of dollars cumulatively, you know, I'd have been fine with it. But that was the that was the real sticking point for me, you know. Yeah. Uh, well, the th the thing is, is that is that you know, I, my my second or third show I ever did the uh, like when I made my own podcast after you know you got me famous. Uh, <laughs> um. Uh, was all about like cryptos the wild west there are no regulations and everyone's about to get screwed and we're seeing it just domino after domino after domino is going over uh the first big one was luna to explode and it was exactly the same thing that they they were taking your money you buy a crypto and you'd stake it on their exchange and they would magically you know give you this interest rate that was absolutely insane, 20 or 30% returns on your money. And it was all Ponzi. It would just take money from other people, put that in your account, and then they would find some more and they ran out of people. Uh, FTX was doing the same thing. So if they're doing even worse, they were also just taking your money and straight up telling you you had you had uh, crypto in your account and there was nothing in there. Um, and now it looks like Binance is probably doing the same thing. Uh, we've got Silvergate, the bank, the only bank that would deal with anyone. They're going down. Um, Genesis is going down. Um, Tether's probably about to implode and just take out the entire crypto market in general. Yeah. Uh, I, 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 like things for some reason are flying high right now. Like everyone's like, oh, crypto, Bitcoin's back above 22,000. And they're all like congratulating themselves. Uh, but it's going to crash again. I mean, like, any day so? now? Well, right. What, oh, what, yeah. makes, what makes you say that about Bitcoin? Tether. Tether. Tether is a tether is a ticking time bomb. Uh, they so May of 2021, uh, the Department of Justice and some auditors went looking for the cash that's supposed to back Tether, and <laughs> it doesn't it doesn't exist. So at, at the time, there should have been 69 billion dollars in this one account in the British Virgin Islands. That should have been all the cash that was backing Tether because people pay money to Tether. Tether gives them this digital currency. Use that digital currency to buy Bitcoin, Ethereum, or anything else, right? 
And when they went looking, they found three cents on the dollar in that account. The 69 billion was just missing. Today, that number's over like 80, 85 billion that's missing. And a lot of what Tether's been doing, apparently, is they'll mint these US dollar Tether coins that are worth $1. They'll mint as many as they want. And then they'll use that money to either buy their own Bitcoin or they'll give it to one of the major exchanges, to FTX or Binance or whatever. Hey, here's a, here's a billion Tether coins. Do what you will with it. And they'll use that to buy Bitcoin and Ethereum. Uh, so what may happen, especially with the fact that, that these banks can't translate from dollars to crypto anymore. Like, I don't know if you saw the thing on the, the bank that I think Binance is using can only do $100,000 or more in, per transaction. They can't do the small transactions anymore, fiat currencies into crypto. And I'm, I still don't really understand what, what's actually happening there, but basically good luck for an average person to do anything in crypto uh with with their with the cash they have um and so if if there is a big crash and people try to pull their money out the first thing they're pull we're going to try and pull out is tether because the tether is the easiest thing to translate into us dollars but it only takes maybe two three billion dollars of people pulling their cash out before tether doesn't have any more money it's gone mm. and so if no one can get their cash out then bitcoin is worthless Right. Yeah. Because as, as, as much as crypto moment, people want to, yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. As, as much as people want to say, like, oh, it's transcending fiat, and like we don't need fiat anymore. Uh, you still need to like pay your mortgage, your rent, get gas, buy groceries, and you can't do that with crypto right now. So you are going to need cash at some point to do something, and the, all all the value of your coins when you look into your account it, it shows you how much it's worth by showing you the fiat equivalent so yes fiat's very important <laughs> to understanding the value of this coin and if a no one can buy in anymore because they can't get a tether coin um then how are they going to get your crypto how how, how are you going to find the next person to buy crypto to make the value stay up if you can't translate your fiat currency into crypto dollars, hmm. right? Um, so, like, right? So, just just theoretically, right? What happens if if um, what you said happens and people start pulling their tether from from the exchanges, right? Well, then so much of but, sorry, I wasn't finished the question. No, no. So, uh, so so much of the value in crypto is uh, let's face it, the greater fool theory, in that. You know, you buy it hoping that later someone else comes along to buy it from you, hmm. right? And we're getting to the point where we're running out of fools. <laughs> we're, we're just running out of people, new people to buy crypto. Yeah. Uh, like the bros who are into it have gotten into it. Everyone else has seen like several crashes happen since then. And they're like, eh, I'm, I'm good. Uh, NFTs, you know, we, we saw Billions and billions and billions of dollars spent on these NFTs. All of them are worthless. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I saw a great clip of Paris Hilton and Jimmy Kimmel discussing yeah. the thing that the board apes Still last cringe. year. <laughs> I know. Yeah, this is my monkey. Oh, it's really cool. No, it's not, Jimmy. <laughs> it's a stupid monkey made by a bunch of neo Nazis. <laughs> 
Like, cool. Uh, yeah. So, so, and, and like much of that was a laundering scheme anyway. You have people that would, that would use one wallet to pay a bunch of money to their own wallet to make the value of this thing, you know, look really high and they'd avoid taxes. I mean, so like crypto, I've said this many times, crypto has three uses to pay for crimes. If you want to pay for an assassination or a drug dealer or whatever, it's a great way to move money across borders. It's money launder. If you want to, it's a really great way. You know, if you, if you are a gangster in Los Angeles and you need to move millions of dollars to your triad boss in Hong Kong, crypto just being sense. Right. And the third reason is, spe- is speculation uh, because you can't, you just can't use it for transaction for everyday transactions because what, why would you want to be that guy like the Domino's dude who spent 11,000 Bitcoin on a, on a Domino's pizza in like 2008 or whatever? Like, why would you want to be that guy? <laughs> oh, cool. I bought a medium with pepperoni and sausage for $50 million. Awesome. I'm that dude. Uh, <clears throat> so people are not going to use it for these transactions. Plus the gas fees that, that happen are just insane on various cryptocurrencies. Uh I made a fake, not fake crypto. I made I made a crypto coin as a joke for that show I did on crypto. I was like, "Hey, I'm, I made 100 million problemo coins, and I'm going to give them away to everyone who's on my Patreon." And then I went to try and give them away, and the gas fees are so expensive; it's going to cost me a hundred thousand dollars just to give away this coin. It's worthless. Oh no way! Yeah. So I still have to go give them away. <laughs> so like, if if I want to buy a 99 cent Arizona iced tea. Right, I want to go to a store and I want to use my Ethereum to buy that 99 cent iced tea. It's going to cost me 70 US dollars in gas fees to buy that one dollar iced tea. So it's it's not set up in a way right now where you can actually use it as a currency, mm. and the value fluctuates so much. Like, <clears throat> do you do you want to invest <clears throat> in Turkish lira or Turkish dollars or whatever? Italian lira, Turkish dollars. No, it's definitely Turkish lira. You're right. It's Turkish lira. Okay. Yeah. So you want got some right here on the wall. (laughs) Okay. Okay. All right. I just want to make sure I'm not getting wrong. Uh, But like, you know, you're facing ninety percent inflation rates. Uh, Like, that's not a sound currency to be invested in. If you put a dollar in it, and all of a sudden it's worth ten cents, that happens overnight on these cryptocurrencies. On top of the fact that the Tether coins, which were used prior to 2018, Tether was used to purchase 80% of all Bitcoin. So uh, and it's that. not backed by the, the money's gone. It's in someone's, you know, they moved it around from account to account all over the world. And $80 billion is just poof, gone. Uh, and today, I think it's around 55% of all crypto transactions are done using te- US dollar Tether coin as the basis for those transactions, which if that cash is gone, then how are you ever going to sell this coin again? Mm. Uh, and because you know, we saw so many liquidations over the last year, <clears throat> at some point back in May, there was like 250,000 liquidations a day happening in crypto accounts because of how much margin these folks have been on. <laughs> and we're... We, th- we think it's bad with hedge funds, right? The hedge funds can have a 30 to one margin. With a crypto account, you could do 100 to one. And so we had guys that had $75 million in Luna, right? And they had, they had 
used as collateral, taken a hundred to one, seven point five billion that they were trading with, gone overnight. So that guy doesn't have any money anymore. <laughs> like he he's not doing any trades. There's there's a whale that's just disappeared all altogether. Uh, I I don't think in the near future. Crypto is going to do very well. Whatever shakes out, that may that may be a difference maker. Uh, as soon as like governments start to regulate it and treat it like an actual security, and, we, and then and then they can like, you know, go to these big exchange companies, the Binance's, the FTX's, or whatever, and like say, hey, why don't you open your books and show us everything right now? Because this regulator is going to throw you in prison if you don't. Uh, we we need that. Uh, because it's it's the wild west. There's no regulations. It's I can I could I could make a tether coin right now, say it's worth a dollar, print fifty kajillion of them, post them to some uh uh you know uniswap or whatever, and then get it all of a sudden trading on an exchange. As long as I have, I don't know, forty, fifty thousand dollars to to post it to something like Uniswap, I can get that thing onto an exchange, and all of a sudden I can say, Yeah, these things are all worth a dollar. And then people will use them like a dollar and I can sell them for a dollar and there's I don't have to have any proof that I've actually have the money in an account somewhere backing it all I can just say I do it will go oh good enough for me uh it's there, there's gonna be so much more crime that that, that gets uncovered and all this oh I bet uh, <clears throat> yeah but right so I can I mean, hear we, I can hear the maxis in my ear right I can yeah I've spoken to enough of them and they would say that, okay, all of these people running the exchanges, trying to use it for speculation, they're all crooks and speculators. They're no better than the, the, the financiers that came before them, right? Yeah. The fucking, they're, they're just the Ken, Ken Griffins of the fucking digital yeah. world, right? But what about, like, do you, do you buy the idea that it's possible to have some sort of currency that is not government, like, run? That like the internet could at some point like, and I'm not saying it has to be BTC either. Like, yeah. like your guy uh, Craig Wright, give me some interesting fucking things to think about with his BSV sort of vision, because he was like, look, it has to be able to handle a, like 10 billion transactions a second, and the gas fees have to be like the tiniest, tiniest fraction oh, yeah. of a penny. And he was like, look, that's where we have to go. Stop pretending that that's where we're at. <laughs> and yeah well i mean the, the, like he said very yeah. similar things to you um so like do you see that there be uh, there being a point in the future in which we can have a currency that is not that we're, we're not at the whims of the central banks and it's not you know governments can't just like decide well you know we're just gonna we need, we need some money let's just print some more let's go for it like is yeah. do you think it's possible um theoretically Sure. Logistically, I don't know. Like people, people talk a lot about how, like, oh, the U.S. dollar is going to be dethroned as the global currency, and they want to like bring up the, the BRICS nations, you know, yeah, uh, as like, oh, these people are going to be gold backed and they're going to be cool. But you know, let's let's face it. Like, you got Russia, mm -hmm. uh, authoritarian dictator; China, totalitarian dictator; North Korea, totalitarian dictator; India, fascist. Mm -hmm uh yeah. saudi arabia theo theocratic dictator er iran theocratic dictator like the people that are backing this thing are not democratic they are dictators every last one of them 
you know, Modi technically elected, mm. but let's face it, he wants to kill all the Muslims <laughs> in the country and do those things. Um, and and like, yes, they represent a lot of people, but they don't represent uh, good investments. Yeah, <laughs> like you know, slave labor and oppressed people are probably the greatest the greatest thing to like back as your currency. Um. So there's there's going to be there's going to be you know fighting between that but like the US government the US government's greatest export is dollars. That's what we that's why we have a trade deficit all the time is because we print money and we send it around the world for other people to use. And you know if if you're if you're focused on a digital currency that's great for people who have internet connections mm-hmm. and electricity and stuff like that but like if you were a villager in rural I don't know, Malawi, right? It does you no good. But if you have a hundred US dollars in hard currency, you're the richest person in your village. So like the US being able to export that that currency around the world means a lot to three billion impoverished people who need hard currency to do a lot of things that they can't do otherwise. And yeah, we're slowly bringing like regular internet and electricity and stuff to these people. But until they have access to, you know, first world levels of of electricity and internet, they're not going to give a shit about, you know, Bitcoin and anything else. It's just, it's ones and zeros on a flash drive they have no use for. Mm. So that that physical cash is still really, really, really important. You know, the, 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 Let's face it, U.S. dollars used for all sorts of horrible things, drug dealers and warlords and oligarchs and everything else and mafia. Sort of rubles and yen. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. It's like, uh, but, you know, if, if you if you are, I don't know, a warlord in the Congo, right? You, your money man may move around digital currency and your offshore banks and stuff, but the real power you have at home is going to be the U.S. dollars you have to pay your warriors, to pay your smugglers, and your, you know, four minute your diamond mine or whatever. Like they're going to want the real U.S. dollars to to actually do their job. So there's there's going to be still uh, uh, a very strong fiat like foundation to everything. Um, and yeah, like gas fees that cost. 500 times what it is you're trying to purchase are stupid. You know, Bitcoin, they're trying to move Bitcoin to this lightning network and whatnot. But even then, it can only handle, I don't know, what, like 700 transactions a minute or something? Yeah, something like, it's like that. It's like, cool. Uh, we we have that many transactions happening for beer at a at a football game, right? Yeah. So <laughs> how, how are you going to rectify this if you got to wait 19 hours for your transaction to go through because it's just backlogged? Because uh, it's being used as an actual currency, and there's a reason why Visa and Mastercard, American Express have these networks because they're built and they're robust. And yeah, they cost two percent per transaction, but they happen. And then you can you can move this volume of people through the grocery store and the mall and you know the stadium concession stand and whatnot. You can't do right now with with these digital currencies, which you think that they would have built into the into this like this was thought of ahead of time we're in the modern or in the future why didn't you think about the fact that you're going to have eight billion people all needing to use it at the same time uh your local sewer system learned this lesson 
200 years ago. But yes, sometimes people all need to go to the bathroom at 7 a.m. And they all flush the toilet at the same time. Uh, so we need to figure out this throughput. And until we get there, like, I, I just don't see it being used as a traditional currency outside of those, those three instances that I outlined of crime, laundering, and speculation. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there are places like like you mentioned. There's like the Lightning Network's being used in like El Salvador, and people can take it. I don't know how much yeah. like they're actually using it. Do you know what I mean? It's it's difficult to get a handle on that. And I see places. I think it's Kits and Nevis in in the uh, in the Caribbean that are using mm. Bitcoin Cash and lots of places. But and you know, you, I occasionally see things like you. I saw I saw a Bitcoin um, ATM in Warsaw and chuckled. Um, but like it's. <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's a novelty. Yeah, it's it yet seems, to make. A, yeah, it's yet to make a jump to something that like because because I have my Bitcoin and I'm like fuck selling it. Like you never know. Like yeah. I don't need the money right now. We'll see what happens. Um, but like um, I I I'm yet to see it proved to me that it can can actually become the thing that the maxis say. And once yeah. I, like I'm not saying they're wrong, but right now I haven't seen that and. Yeah, so we'll see where it goes. Um, yeah, the I saw this interesting little documentary on El Salvador, and they went to the uh, uh, they went to these vendors that you know they had a hot dog stand on the side of the street or churros or whatever they're selling, and uh, you know they accept Bitcoin. So they try to do a transaction, it just takes forever, and it just doesn't work, and it takes forever, it doesn't work, and the guys are like, just give me some pesos, dude. Like, <laughs> yeah, man. I got customers. Let's go. Yeah, they and, got, and they got to have... compete with like ding done like the you yeah. know the yeah it has to compete and, and, with that yeah and and Visa and Google Pay and Samsung Pay and Apple Pay and all these things they all do it right now doing exactly the same thing that Bitcoin's claiming is going to be the future but they're doing it already yeah and then you have places like El Salvador where the president has borrowed at like twenty percent interest to dump the wealth of this nation into Bitcoin, which has lost 65% of its value since he, since he started doing it. And he's like, I'm buying the dip. And then it drops another $10,000. And he owes 20% interest on this thing. Oh, so he's basically that. bankrupting the entire country buying Bitcoin as it's collapsing. Like, yeah, sure. If, if it goes to a million dollars a coin, awesome. You did it, buddy. But it's not. <laughs> <laughs> it's just it's dying and it's dying really 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 badly and it, they're losing money like crazy that's bad if it's 20 percent interest yeah look up look up the bonds they're taking out this it is rough and they're facing they're facing insolvency at, at like the levels that you know lebanon and sri lanka have been facing uh because they can't pay their bills so you know we'll see how we'll see how long el salvador lasts as this bitcoin mecca because again, to get their Bitcoin, they have to use a whole lot of fiat currency to do it. These things are so tied together, they're not going to escape each other anytime soon. Because uh, your paycheck comes in, you know, pounds, dollars, euros, whatever. Yeah. And then you're taking a step along the way, where you're gonna, you're like, oh, I'm gonna buy into this exchange, and then they take a huge chunk of that out of your out of your paycheck, right? Take their seven percent transaction fee or whatever, and you buy your coins. And then when you buy your coins, they take out your gas fee out of that. So 
you know, in the end, are you re- do you really have as much money as you claim? I mean, U.S. dollar has yeah, eight percent inflation. Uh, but Bitcoin since last year has three hundred percent inflation. So, yeah, that's about yeah. right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, you yeah. know, yeah. Mm, yeah, yeah, it's not. Yeah, it's not quite the inflation hedge we were promised. Yeah, um, yeah. But you know, they'll say zoom out. But anyway, so the the next thing I want to ask, actually, and, and while we're on this sort of crypto topic, I think we, we can talk about it, is the FTX GameStop tokens thing, because I looked at this, and mm. it seems like there was these tokens that they claimed were trading. And it seems like they claimed that they had them backed by, I think it was FTX Switzerland, um, if I can, mm-hmm. if I remember. Yeah, the Swiss correct. Bank of some yeah. kind, yeah. And then someone looked, and they had never ever registered any securities or cash, basically, to that. So yep. have have they just been like saying they have GameStop shares and trading these tokens and selling these tokens? Yep. And is is it literally just like they've done naked shorting? You know, but without the middleman, <laughs> they've just said, yeah. "Oh yeah, we've got this. You say you can yeah. have it." The the nature of an unregulated uh, security, right? Like again, I can I can I can I can go to GitHub. I can get the the code for minting like an ERC twenty token. I can cha- call it GME. I can call it AMC. I can call it whatever I want. I can mint as many as I want. I can take that token. With a few thousand dollars in Ethereum, I can post it to Uniswap or another another uh, uh, type of swap, and get that thing trading at the, whatever value I want, mm-hmm. right? So I can say, oh, right in the code, like, you know, uh, if GameStop is at this price, this token is now this price. I can I can set up that whole code and then sell it to dummies, <laughs> and and a lot a lot of those dummies, you know. It's not that they're, I don't want to say they're dummies. They they might be in a nation that doesn't have access to U.S. stock trading, right? They might they might they might be somebody in a in a more rural third world place that wants to get in on you know Moas and those that stuff, but they but they can't open a brokerage account because they're in Nigeria or you know yeah Vanuatu, whatever they are, and so they're like, hey, I can. On the internet that I can get four hours a day, I can actually hook up. I can get this this Coinbase account or whatever, and I can buy this digital GME that's worth the same. And I think there's a lot of people that just they were told this is what it is, and it, it wasn't. It was just snake oil. It was flim flam, man. And uh, like with MMTLP, um, this this. This uh, stock that that you know we've been following because it, all sorts of weird stuff are happening, but there's 165 million shares. They minted 500 billion coins that represent this thing. So how are you going to have a one for one if there's 500 billion of them, right? And they they just sell them at what else? Trading at a buck, I'll sell at a buck. 500 billion, I'll make 500 billion dollars or whatever is potential out of that, and. It's, I think it's all just, just smoke and mirrors. It's you, like, you it's know? literally just fraud. Like, like yeah, it's just literally. straight fraud. And this fraud happens 
all the time. Like if if you have a gold mine you want to sell, right? You want to make sure that it, it's got the highest, you know, assay of gold possible. So you do what's called salting the mine. You buy some gold, you throw it around the mine. So anyone comes to inspect it goes, oh, there's just gold laying around everywhere here. This place is worth a fortune. And that's that's an old uh, tactic they 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 used to do. So, you know, like fraud isn't new. It's just <laughs> this is a new way for them to do it. Yeah. It's just a, you know, it's a twist. It's a twist on an old classic. And yeah. you want to break it. Oh, the doggo's okay. here. Awesome. Yes. <laughs> uh, do you want to give the, the TLDR on the MMTPL thing? Because I am talking to someone um tomorrow actually for the podcast about it i'm talking to um bird lady roller pigeons um oh nice yeah Yeah. so she's gonna give me the real story but like do you want to give me the tldr for people to preview that if they haven't heard about this story yes uh just like any other stocks this thing was naked shorted by money market makers and, and and hedge funds and everything um likely to the tune of billions of shares uh, at least 300 million, if not more. That's the 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 censuses that've been done show that there's probably 300 million plus, and very likely more than a billion shares. And um, so this oil company is called Torchlight. Uh, they were during COVID when oil prices went negative, and people are like oil prices went negative. Yeah, because no one was flying, no one was driving, no one was shipping anything. Uh, all this oil is still getting pumped out of the ground. They have nowhere to store it. So they had to pay people just to take it off their hands, right? So oil went negative. And Torchlight is is a, a prospective company. Like they've got a big giant oil field. It's got three, four billion barrels of oil, but they don't have the infrastructure yet to like move it anywhere mm-hmm. and to pump in large quantities because they're still they're still raising capital to like develop this field. So Shorts went, mm, delicious. Oil's negative. Let's hammer this company. And they shorted it down to, I don't know, 21 cents or something. I think it was the lowest it had gone. And they're about to be delisted by the NASDAQ because they've been under a dollar for too long. And along came uh, Metamaterial, this Canadian tech company. And they said, hey, we want to be listed on the NASDAQ. You guys are about to die. Let's merge. We'll take your ticker. Mm. And then we'll just sell off your oil assets and give everyone a special dividend who had your had your stock. And fortunately, I was like, okay. And so they did their merger. And when they merged, uh, for every two torchlight, you got one meta material. And then you got, if you had torchlight, you got a one for one of this preferred share, this preferred A, a stock uh, that wasn't supposed to trade, that was going to represent holdings, like the assets of this oil field. Okay. And at the time, you know, they're thinking when they sell out the oil field, everyone would get like a dollar or two a share. And cool. Like I bought at 87 cents. I was thinking, okay, if I get $2 out of this, I just made more than a hundred percent. I'm cool. Yeah. And, um, and, but in the meantime, oil started going. And so people started calculating going, wait, this dividend might be like $20. This dividend might be $30. This dividend might be $40. Holy smokes. Like oil's over a hundred bucks. This dividend could be as much as a hundred dollars a share. And, uh, so that was June June 2021, when they did that merger, these non-tradable shares went to everyone's account who had Torchlight, and you're supposed to sit there. Like, can't trade, it's just going to sit there, and eventually they'll sell the oil fields, and that those shares will turn to cash, and then you're done, right? Yeah. Well, October 2021, all of a sudden it started trading. And everyone's like, wait a minute, why is this trading? This isn't supposed to trade. We were told this will not trade, this is not supposed to trade. And it started trading for like $3, 
And all of a sudden people are like, wait a minute, I can buy more. So they did. And people bought more and they bought more and they bought more and they bought more. They're going, what's weird? Metamaterial, the, the company that had merged and everything, they're now the parent company. They went to FINRA and they said, hey, FINRA, this isn't supposed to trade. FINRA's like, but it is. So, mm, tough shit. Wait, hang on. What hang happened on, was. Hang on, hold the phone there a second. <laughs> So there was a share that shouldn't be traded. Yeah. And someone went to FINRA and went, yo, lads, this shouldn't be trading. So yep. therefore, there's some shady, some sort of weird, quite possibly illegal activity going on. And yep. FINRA were like, eh. Pretty much. Uh, so uh, <sighs> okay. GTX, which is this market maker that's owned by Ari Rubenstein. And I can't remember the name of the other one that he, he got to agree because as long as you have two market makers or willing to trade something back and forth, you can create a market or something. Is basically what FINRA is saying. Uh, but if you look at the FINRA rules, if you want these two market makers to exchange something back and forth, you have to get the permission of the issuer. So okay. MetaMaterial never said, yeah, you can do it. What they did was is they essentially forged documents from when Torchlight still existed, saying this is all, you know, Torchlight wanted this stuff to, to, to trade. And they gave it to FINRA, and FINRA just rubber-stamped it and allowed them to create a market. Uh, so this thing just started legally trading against against FINRA's own rules, against the law, against the 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 uh, uh, wishes of, of the company itself. And so, you know, Meta Material and the board, they're trying to figure out, like, what, what, how, how are we going to get this? Because this is causing a problem for us. Like, we can't sell off the assets as long as this thing is tradable. Um, so we need to get this thing off trade again. So this summer, they uh, issued S1 to the SEC saying, hey, we want to make this a private company. We want to remove it from the exchange, make it private. And uh, we're going to promise that we will not look for a buyer until it's private. And, uh, but, you know, let's happen. So they did it in July. And then SEC took its sweet time, took like five weeks. And so like, okay, this is pretty good. I'm going to need you to make some amendments to this filing and submit again. So they make their amendments, submit again. And then they take another like five weeks. Like, okay, pretty good. There's a couple more things we want you to change. It's, now it's like October or whatever. Submitted a third time. So they submitted a third time. And like, this is this is, this is it. This is in November. Like, this is it. But since it's been now four months, we need you to uh, send all of your updated financials for the last quarter. And then we can approve it. So around somewhere around like November 25th, they finally said, so SEC said, okay, you can go private. And uh, the rules are they have to give at least a 15-day notice to the markets that they're going private. And so they did that. They said, okay, on the 12th of December, we stop trading. And on the 14th, we issue these new paper shares that are uh, in a new company we're calling Nextbridge, which is now the holdings company. And it, this cannot trade. There's going to be no QSIP. It will not be on any exchange. If you trade it, you know, we're going to shoot you in the face. I don't know what the, the exact rule will be, but uh, but like it's not going to be electronically traded. So you're not going to be able to do it. Okay. Gonna be, we're going to be private. We're private. We're private. We're private. We're private. Um, and then they went to FINRA and said, hey, FINRA, you have to issue a corporate action to let the brokers know. Like, because the brokers, they've got 10,000 tickers to take care of. They aren't paying attention to stuff. They need like be shaken and go, oh, I got to pay attention to this and be told this is going to stop trading. You're gonna to have to remove this ticker from from uh, uh, all of all of your brokerages, and then you know you're gonna issue these paper shares. And everyone's gonna get these shares. 
So FINRA didn't do it, didn't do it, didn't do it, didn't do it. Two weeks went by. And finally, on the 6th of December, you know, six days before this whole thing is supposed to stop trading, there's 7th, 8th, 9th, and 12th, so four trading days left. They finally issue a corporate action saying, hey, guys, uh, turns out this ticker is not going to be trading anymore. Um, because of settlement, if you buy before the 8th of December, he's got T plus two. Uh, you'll get you'll get your next bridge shares. If you buy after, the settlement is gonna have to be up to whoever the seller is, and you have to figure that out for yourselves. And then and then the ticker is gonna be canceled on the on after trading on the 12th. Uh they used the wrong term. It's not canceled, it's deleted. So they had to issue another one on the eighth, changing canceled to deleted because they mean two different things. If you cancel a share, it means like the company went bankrupt, doesn't exist anymore. Therefore, you have to pay back any of your uh, short shares. Yeah, they get banned if you say Twitter deleted, and <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So if you say deleted, it means like the, sh- the stock still exists. Uh, it's just not on the exchanges. So they had to change that on the 8th. Okay. The brokerages were all saying, okay, so the last two days, it's going to be closed position only because we got all these shorts out there. we got to close them all. So the 9th and the 12th are going to be all closing positions. So you're not going to be able to buy in because it's just going to be a pain in the ass for settlement and stuff. So, so closed position only. If you want to sell, you can sell. And we're going to make all these all these hedge funds and stuff under us closer positions. At midnight, morning of the 9th, FINRA, is what I believe, looked at the books, realized how many short positions there are, that there are 300 million to billions of short positions, looked at the level two data of what people were, were listing their stocks for sale, which were in the thousands per share talking moas type numbers you know fifteen thousand a share twenty five thousand a share this is what's being listed in the level twos and they went oh my god this is going to cost us trillions of dollars this is going to crash the entire market like this is potentially like a third of us gdp just listed in the level twos on this one stock and they went oh crap there's going to be an extraordinary event Halt all trading. And we're just gonna halt trading until the ticker's deleted and then everyone's gonna get their shares and everything's gonna be all fine. Well, that means the shorts never got to close their positions. And if the shorts never close their positions, then no one can get their next bridge shares because you're supposed to get this one for one. And they only yeah. issued 165 million paper shares. But if there's a billion out there, then no one can actually get the shares that are promised. And so we're, we're, how many days is 25th? So we are 30, 40, almost 50 days, getting close to 50 days past issuance of these things. And no one has their shares. <laughs> Wait, and still? So, still, like a couple, couple people managed to like transfer into a registered agent, but jumping through a lot of hoops. And, uh, and you know, the number of people who actually have like, legit shares aren't very high and a lot of the ones that did transfer discovered when they went when they called the transfer agents like hey also make sure my stuff are in there and transfer agents like actually you don't have shares they sent over these weird warrants like we don't know what's going on because these aren't actual shares in the company these are warrants and we don't know what the broker is doing so right now you really can't guarantee that anyone has shares in this company it's it's fucked up. And so this is just this is few, just fucking GameStop all over again. 
Oh yeah. Oh yeah. But it's a, it's like with this tiny little, you know, it's only 65,000 shareholders in this company. Yeah. Thereabouts, not like the 4 million or whatever yeah, might yeah, be in GameStop. Yeah. Uh, and so there's some lawsuits that have been filed. There's one in Florida by this young woman, Rosa to uh, And hers is really brilliant because uh, FINRA, because they're a self-regulatory regulating agency or organization, and they have this like power from Congress to like do this do this job that the government should be doing. They got certain protections about lawsuits. Like you can't sue them for monetary damages because if you sue FINRA for monetary damages and you destroy FINRA, then FINRA can't do its job anymore. So there's what sounds like FINRA can't do its fucking job anymore. Already. Exactly. Yeah. So, so that's what she's <laughs> suing for. She is she's she's suing for injunctive relief, meaning like, hey FINRA, you owe us two days of trading. You have to make sure in a corporate action. You tell them, tell these brokers that they've got to close every short position there is because right now I'm being injured. I can't get my share, and the company may be forced to dilute what what uh, uh, shares are there to you know continue making money or whatever. And I'm going to be injured because I never had the opportunity to be like, you know what, I want out because uh, you took away my last two days of trading. And so she's filed this injunctive relief in Florida federal court to get this done, and you know. I look at her arguments. I'm like, she's nailing it. And the Finner response so far is Finner's like, we're immune. Sorry. And, uh, but like, no, you're immune to monetary damages, not to just getting sued in general, because you can still violate the law and do things that aren't according to your own rules. Like you can still be sued. And uh, Finner is, cl is claiming their extraordinary event was they went, oh no, if there's two more days of trading, how are we going to get the settlement done by the 14th? And get everyone their shares. We just—it's not going to be able. We're not going to be able to do it. So obviously, we got to stop trading. But as a result of them not having those last two days of trading, no one's gotten their shares. <laughs> the settlement's been a nightmare. Uh, <laughs> so they—they they created a bigger problem than they otherwise would have. And uh, it, so, you know, we're waiting to see if the judge says, you know what? Yeah, you are going to have to do two more days of trading. In that case, you have to release a corporate action saying, all right, you have to, you're going to have to reissue the QSIP for the stock. You're going to have to you know, set these two days for trading and trade. And you're going to, it's going to be closed position only. So you're going to have to you know, let every one of these market makers and hedge funds that shorted the stock know that they're going to be fucked. <laughs> <laughs> you're going to liquidate their positions and you're going to liquidate the prime brokers and you're probably going to have to tap the Federal Reserve and whatever else. Like, it's... So that's, you know, that's what we're looking for. It, it would be definitely a precedent-setting case and could be a catalyst like no one ever expected to, to basically trigger everything else. Because if you're liquidating all these hedge funds, they all shorted all the same companies. So if you're liquidating them because of this stupid position they have on this little-known oil company, then you're also going to have to close out their positions on AMC and GME and yeah. Kia and everything else. So... Um, we're, we're looking to see what, what type of guy this federal judge is. And if, if he's, you know, well, the law says this, so we're going to do that. Then Moas, baby. Uh, but if he's also like, well, if we do that, it's going to cost the U S economy just $3 trillion on this one ticker. That seems bad. So no, um, <laughs> like yeah, we're what, find what type out. of dude is he? Yeah. So that's that's kind of the shortest version I can give. Yeah, no, of, that's uh, that's fascinating. Yeah. <laughs> People yeah. tune in 
next episode if you want to see uh or if you want to hear more about this because yeah i'm gonna be talking to someone who's been absolutely uh balls deep in it um yep so yeah the, well it sounds like the hedge funds are playing another game of you know fuck around and find all you um oh yeah I'm like, how, i sometimes wonder how fucking long they can get away with this bullshit um but but it seems like for as long as there are people with no integrity running all of the regulatory agencies, <laughs> which yeah. seems to be the only sorts of people who get st- who who end up in any position of power within them, because what I would assume is anyone who would go in with like any sort of decency or you know moral standing or you know desire to uphold the law, um, yeah. will go in and go what the fuck and leave after twelve months. Yeah. Well, I I would I would love to see you know laws in the u.s that disallow people who work in the financial industry from ever having a job regulate the financial industry so if you were you know hedge fund manager and work at an investment bank whatever you could never work at the sec or a treasury or anything else like you know the, it should be your head of the treasury should be someone who like i don't know runs the the school of finance for the university of chicago or you know, is a, a securities lawyer who teaches classes at Harvard or whatever. Like it should be somebody who's an academic whose whose entire focus is the law and regulation and not, hey, in two years I'll get my my board position back at JP Morgan. And everything's gonna be cool. Uh that should not be at all the motivation. It shouldn't be if if you were an enforcement officer for the SEC and you leave to go take a job on Wall Street, you can never come back. Mm. Right. And if you had that job on Wall Street, you can never go to the SEC. It should be, you know, you get to do one tour of duty, baby. And if, if you leave, that's it. You're never coming back. You're 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 gone. And we we'll, we will have somebody else do that job uh, because there's just so much incest that happens. Yeah. And yeah. So yeah, I'm curious. I don't to know see if we'll get that. I'm curious to see what's going to happen with this. Um, I don't know. Did they call it the Pelosi bill? I think. The, the, the that's what that's what josh hawley's calling it yeah um and and you know for a decade now they've been trying to get this thing in there and they've it's one of those few bills that actually has bipartisan support yeah. in the u.s that's why i mean yes you, you have a bunch of democrats that that do insider trading you have a bunch of republicans do insider trading then you got on both sides two groups that are horrified by it mm. so or aren't very good um at it. yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, you know, I, I, I think I think there is there is, you know, an outside chance that you can get this thing passed. Um but you know if it does, it'll be totally it'll be the first bipartisan bill we've passed in the US in like in thirty years or something. Yeah, <laughs> but, like literally. Yeah, probably yeah. since that fucking immigration bill that was done with the was it the gang of six or something like that? I can't the gang yeah. of some number. I can't yeah. remember how many it was, but Lindsey Graham was in there, and I can't remember who else. But there was, I think, like McCain, uh, McCain and yeah, Schumer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but, but that was probably the it, last time, right? Not, that was fucking exactly. like twenty years been, ago, at least. Yeah, it's been so partisan uh, uh, that you know you really can't find anything to to get to get both sides jazzed about. Uh, well, I mean, you see, I, I'm, I'm hoping you can combine the Democrats with some integrity, and the Republicans yeah. that hate Pelosi. Yeah, <laughs> and hopefully there'll be enough of this. To... Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, 
we'll we'll see how far it goes. I mean, it gets it gets proposed every year, and every year there's some powerful dirtbag on a committee that goes no, no, and pushes it down again. Um, I'm 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 in the process of trying to organize. I guess it'd be a lobbying group or a super PAC or something, but I, I want in. I want a specific piece of legislation that I'm, I'm writing, and I'm calling it the Retail Investor Protection Act. And it's going to be a broad piece of legislation. legislation. And uh, essentially, I'm, I'm going to lobby. I'm going to go to D.C., and I'm going to talk to as many members of Congress and the Senate as I can uh, and, and say, hey, we need to eliminate naked shorting. One, get no more naked shorting. I don't care. Reg show out the window. You sell a share, it doesn't exist, you're going to prison, you're paying a fine, it's going to be so astronomical that you'll never want to do it. Two, no high-frequency trading. When you buy a stock, you have to hold it for five minutes or 10 minutes or something before you're ever allowed to sell it again. To keep these trading computers from bouncing the same share back and forth a million times in nanoseconds and manipulating the price of the market. No more of that. No more payment for order flow. No more dark pools. If you're going to trade a stock, it's going to go through a lit exchange and we're going to see in real time what that stock is selling for, right? Uh, no more these weird debt swaps. So you, a lot of the FTDs that are out there, uh, they're, you know, they got 35 days to make good on it. Well, they just trade it with somebody. They trade that debt with somebody else's bad debt and it resets the entire clock. And so they can permanently just trade this hot potato around forever, theoretically, and never have to close out a position. Um, there's a few other things in there, but essentially just leveling the playing field so that you can't have someone like Citadel who's running 40% of all trades through their market maker and then very obviously front-loading their trades with their hedge fund. Like, okay, this stock's going to trade for a whole bunch. How about hedge fund? You just buy a bunch of it right now and then we'll make a ton of money in the next... 40 nanoseconds when, when all these retail traders, we, we process the retail trades. Uh, so, you know, just leveling that playing field and making making it so that retail investors aren't absolutely screwed in all these things. Because as the system is now, it is designed specifically to destroy American business. Because if you're allowing these short attacks to happen, they will look for any company they can destroy to be able to make a quick buck. And that's not a great way to have the chief motivator of your entire economy be like, let's murder the economy. Let's make sure we lay off those 40,000 workers and sell off all those assets and tooling and everything else. Because uh, I just made myself a quick buck. Me and the bros are going to go golfing. That's not how an economy should run. We should have an economy that fosters investment and fosters building these brands and making them, you know, as global as possible. And like, we, we need a system of support, not a system of destruction. And uh, so that's, that's kind of the big, the big thing I'm, I'm trying to work towards now. It's, I got to figure out, you know, how to file, not go to jail for taking money. And <laughs> lots of, that's a lot of things that I don't know how to do yet that I got to learn. Well, I mean, um, you, you you laid out earlier how you can make plenty of money off of of uh, people. Yeah. <laughs> make sure you do. Um, first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to screw over all the retail investors, take all their money, and then I'm going to fix the system with it. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Um, and 
to be honest, the naked shorting is just like one bit of it. Like you got the pri- yeah, just exactly. private equity, fucking mm-hmm. speculation. You got, yeah. I mean, the, pri- the private equity alone right now is destroying our entire food supply. Like we, we've got like four companies to control all the meat and dairy almost in the entire world at this point. And they are pushing out all the small players or buying them up. Uh, like we had this, this, these brothers out of Brazil, the, the Batistas, they took out, they bribed the Brazilian government to take out billions in loans that they should, didn't qualify for. And they used those billions of dollars to buy up like all the meat producers they could in the United States. And so like it, it's, it's, uh, you have what's called a, a monopoly of, of these companies, but also it's a monop. I can never say this right. Monopsony, which is. There's only a few buyers. So like there's only a couple of grocers now left in the whole US. You've got Albertsons Kroger, which are merging, and you got like Walmart. And that's pretty much it. And Walmart can say to these meat producers, like, hey, uh, lower your prices or we're not gonna buy your meat. And the meat producers are like, but well, we can't afford to lower our prices. We've lowered them, we're, we're paying slave labor basically to like pack this chicken. And Walmart says, Yeah, but if I don't buy your meat, then who will? And they go, Oh shit. Uh, I guess we have to like start losing money like crazy because there's a whole only way we'll get any money. And so, so the, the monopsony is when you have only a few buyers for a particular thing, because you don't have no, no diversity in the market anymore. And, you know, the, the Safeway Albertsons and Kroger are all merging to make essentially one grocery chain across the entire United States. And this is the type of like lack of competition that leads to, you know, Egg prices being insane. Mm. Like, yeah, there's, there's, yeah, there's the bird literal, flu. It's the literal but, monopolies that they complain about with communism. This literally, exactly, they're yeah. literally creating <laughs> the exact same fucking conditions at home. Yeah, and and yeah, yeah, bird flu. Yeah, it's happening. It's affecting these things. But guess what? Uh, egg producers are making the highest profits they've ever made. Mm. So, you know, there's only like two egg producers in the whole country. They all, all, all these small farmers are beholden to these like very few uh, 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 consolidated, you know, companies, these food mm-hmm. companies. And it, it, it's, it's it, when you fuck with the food supply, you lose the people, right? Yeah. Like even, they, even if, Joffrey Baratheon learned that. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. So, so, you know, there, there's going to have to be some sort of antitrust battle, and and that 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 basically breaks the stuff up into a thousand different pieces. I mean, it's, it's not going to be enough to be like, okay, we're going to break you up into three companies. You're going to be a chicken company, a beef company, and a dairy company, or something. That's not going to work. You're going to have to be like, okay, there's going to be one thousand beef companies, one thousand chicken companies, one thousand pork companies, one thousand dairy companies. And you're just gonna have to just break it up into a million billion little pieces and and then put a cap like no one can control more than 10% of the market, something like that. And uh, whenever you get to 10% of the market, we're gonna break you up into 500 more companies again. <laughs> Congratulations. I mean, it might be the only, it might be the only way to stop these corporate monopolies from growing and growing and growing. Yeah. Anyway, the last thing I want to, yeah, okay. freak me out about the fucking food supply. Um, the, <laughs> the last thing, thankfully, Northern Ireland will be fine. I, could, I always come back to my homeland. We have nothing but tiny little small farmers, basically. And there one, you go. There's one big company, an apartment Moy Farm, who are actually owned by, I think, the same fucking Brazilian conglomerate. 
Um, but we still yeah. have plenty of like small farms, thankfully. But the last thing I wanted to ask about was um, this fucking Biden classified documents thing. Because like, cause first, and I guarantee probably most of the fucking former presidents and all these people have got fucking classified shit somewhere. But like, first there was the, the Trump had stuff in Mar-a-Lago. Then there was yeah. Biden had stuff in his garage. Then Mike Pence has just admitted yeah. that he has stuff somewhere. Like, yeah. Like, what the fuck is going on here? Like, because someone said that the best theory I've seen so far, like, discount Trump and Mike Pence, but the yeah. the best theory I've seen about Biden so far is that the Democrats are trying to throw him under the bus so that they can get someone new in for 2024. Uh, so, I, I think there's, like, two different levels that are happening. There's the, I'm part of the uh, Security Council insiderness like if, if if you if you are you know a director of the defense intelligence agency if you're the national security advisor if you're the vice president of the president like these documents follow you around because you're working on them constantly and like yeah you take vacations you visit home you just like that so these boxes come along you read these documents put in a box whatever um and and as long as you're part of this interior security apparatus you got this classified level Yes, like wherever you are, you need those documents because you, your job is 24-7, right? So I think there's some of, of that. There is some of like, you know, your office at the Naval Observatory where your home is when you're vice president. You've got an office in there and stuff goes in the, in the into folders. And, you know, when you got one day to pack and get everything out because the next guy's coming in on January 20th at noon, right? So you got to pack all these, throw stuff in boxes and you just move, right? Uh, there's no one from the National Archives whose job it is to go through each one of those documents as you're moving, make sure, oh, this one actually can't go. Mm. Um, what they have is they've got a general idea of what should be left behind. And unless it's like something really glaring, it can totally get missed. So I could totally see you know, yeah, like five documents, whatever the Pence had and 10 that Biden had, whatever the numbers are. I can see that happening. Uh, Trump is a different animal because it looks like Trump purposely took these documents. And then when National Archives is like, whoa, there's like three, 400 documents missing. And these are very, very high security. Trump, can you check and make sure you, ha if you have them or not? And Trump's like, don't have them. My lawyer even signed something saying, do not have them. And the, the, the National Archives is like, but we think you still have them because these are very high priority documents and they're missing and you're the only person who could have them. Uh, we think you have them. Trump's like, nope, I've checked. I looked everywhere, not there. And so then the FBI, they got subpoena. FBI went in. FBI's like, oh yeah, nope, he has them. And there's still some missing. <laughs> uh, uh, he had them in this unlocked storage room at his resort. <laughs> <laughs> that's frequented by a whole bunch of international spies. Uh, we have the best so, security. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and it, you know, we've got, it's on record that Jared Kushner was giving classified information to the Saudis. Yeah. I um, saw that fucking hell. And, you know, he took $2 billion of the money to open up his own hedge fund. So, you know, cool. Saudis just paid $2 billion for this. Uh, it's very, very likely based on like some of the documents that were found and the FBI is like not saying specifically what they were, but they're like, yes, there were documents that detailed a, specific, a particular country's nuclear program. I'm like, oh, Iran, maybe uh, 
could have been for Saudi Arabia because Saudi Arabia hates Iran. Oh, weird. Trump is now hosting this giant, expensive international golf tournament that's owned by Saudi Arabia. It's playing at all of his Trump golf courses, and he's getting tens of millions of dollars out of this. <laughs> like, there's some, eh, some sketchy stuff. I mean, the fact that he 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 was making just from the Chinese government was renting empty floors in Trump Tower for $5 million a year while he was president, right? You know, the nation of Qatar would book $100,000 a week in hotel rooms at his at his hotel in D.C. Like, there's some shady stuff going on there. And that I think it's different than like, oh, yeah, there's a box in my garage. And of the 400 documents, there's five of them that shouldn't be in there, we discovered. Like, that's... Yeah, his, re- his reaction was not a good look, though, man. Like it was, it yeah. Was like, oh, yeah. You know, he's like, the garage is locked. Don't worry about it. It's like, no, yeah, you yeah, should yeah. probably take this a little more seriously, man. Like, yeah, and and is, yeah. The, the the way the national security laws say is like, if you discover these documents, you notify the archives and you return them. And that's what that's what they did. Which you know, technically, at that point, okay, you you obeyed our requirements. There you go. Uh, I do think that there probably should be a national archives liaison or someone whose entire job it is to make sure that when people move out of the white house or out of the Naval observatory, like those documents get vetted and, you know, just in general, like don't take any documents with you. <laughs> they all belong to the national archives. Maybe. Yeah. yeah. And then the national archives go through and be like, okay, you know, it's been a year since you left office. We've gone through them and, you know, this is a birthday card you received from your grandkids. This is whatever, but like anything else is government related. And then we're just going to put it in our storage facility and, you know, let the nerds go through it when they're writing their books a hundred years from now. Yeah. Former presidents, well, former, former government officials in any capacity probably should not have still have documents. That just feels like a bad idea. Just, yep just straight off the bat but yeah like so that's it's i think you know one thing we'll get out of it is we'll probably will get a change in how the national archives has access to you know a a president vice president as they're moving out right and then if 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 there's just if they have these documents how many like former yeah, that's my chiefs, fucking CIA question. That's my, or, what's my question. It's like, who the fuck else yeah. has this just lying around? Yeah. Like, I mean, you got dudes like uh, M- uh, Mike Flynn, who is a straight-up Russian asset, who got fired for the Obama administration for being a Russian asset, who then became the national security advisor to Trump briefly before he got fired again. Uh, those dudes can't be trusted. Um, we just discovered that the, the FBI agent who was put in charge of the Russia investigation with yeah. Trump was, it, was, was in a fact fu- a, yeah, Russian a Russian agent. Asset. I was like, oh, are you <laughs> fucking kidding me? And, so, yeah. you know, and then we, what's his we, face? We, fucking Eric Swalwell. He was on the, the national, was it, oh, was it the, is it, was it the national security council or the, no, the intelligence committee. That's what it was. And he fucking was like, he was fucking some Chinese agent. <laughs> yeah. He, he totally got honeypotted by a Chinese agent. Yeah. So like this stuff happens all the time, but, my so my sister is well she's a navy intelligence she's high up she's a captain she's being tapped for admiral um when when you're in those positions you go through these classes that teach you about how to like avoid being trapped by a competing spy agency right and so her husband had gotten he was a, a president of a, of a local college and he got a fulbright scholarship to go to russia and to go like tour colleges there and learn how the russians do this stuff this is probably 
2000, I don't know, 17, 2018, somewhere in there. And so she sat him down. She's like, you're not taking your phone. We're going to buy you a new iPad that you're not going to be able, I'm not letting you log into your Facebook or Instagram or anything else. Like if you want to take pictures or have access to the internet, this is a one-off and we're going to destroy this thing when you get back. And he's like, why? She's like, just listen to me. You're going to be in your hotel. You're going to go down to the hotel bar for a drink. And you're going to discover at the hotel bar, some guy decked out head to toe at University of Washington hat, shirt, like, you know, whatever. And they're going to strike up a conversation with you. And they're a Russian agent. They are not from Seattle. They did not go to school at the University of Washington. Like, they are there specifically to get you to talk to them so they can get to me. And he's like, this is bullshit. She's like, just do what I'm telling you to do. Just do it. Just do, like, don't fuck around on this. This is a big deal. I'm a captain in the Navy. <laughs> I know things that people aren't allowed to know. I've got security clearances that presidents don't have. Like, just shut up and just do what I say. Fine, whatever. He calls her, like, day two in Russia. He's like, you wouldn't believe it. At the bar was a guy, head to toe, in University of Washington here, who was talking about, like, he's got a conference next month in Seattle and our family should get together. <laughs> I was like, that's, she's like, yeah, that's, that's a Russian agent. That, that is a guy who's trying to compromise you to get to me. Say no. <laughs> so at that point four, he was just freaked out for like the next month he was in Russia. It's like everywhere he went was somebody who's like, oh, yeah, I go to Seattle all the time. You and I should get to, our wives should meet. Like, <laughs> so, you know, it, elected officials don't go through this stuff. They don't learn these things. Like, you got dudes like George Santos, who <laughs> might not even be an American citizen. We have no idea what the hell that dude's all about. Right. And and like anyone could become an elected official and all of a sudden have security clearance if you're elected. Mm -hmm. uh, you yeah, don't you go the through right a class yeah. where you learn about counterintelligence and, and, and securing data and, you know, making sure you're using like secured phones, communication channels and stuff like that. You never, they just all of a sudden like, well, this is how you pass a bill. There you go. Have at it. And so we, we, we are definitely have a lot of vulnerability in our elected officials. Let's face, let's face it. A lot of them are sociopaths. A lot of them are psychopaths. A lot of them are narcissists. You present a pretty lady to them. Yeah, a lot of them are idiots. Uh, you, pre you present a pretty lady to them, and they're going to be like, sweet, I put my dick in it. And you get ladies like Maria Butina. Uh, I don't know if you read about her. So she was, she came from Russia. I think Dmitry Firtash was the Ukrainian-Russian dude who was funding her. And she laundered like $80 million into the NRA, the National Rifle Association, which then dispersed this money to politicians. Oh, so it was a legal money laundering operation to get this. Yeah, 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 all these, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And she was fucking every Republican she possibly could. She had an affair with a, with a congressman from South Dakota and, you know, like, and she got arrested for being a spy and arrested, like sent to prison. And we did some sort of prisoner exchange with Russia. And now she's back in Russia and she's like a, a member of the Duma now, like a, a hero of Russia for compromising <laughs> so many American congressmen. But like, so many congressional campaigns got funded almost directly via this Russian mafia money that came out of the Kremlin. And she, that was her job. 2016, she spread $80 million around and, and was just fucking every, every congressman she could. 
<laughs> so you know these it's old school it's it's stuff it's stuff if this was 1985 we would have had an apparatus there to make sure it wouldn't happen because we're so focused on like digital espionage that like the classic hard intel of human to human uh contact we've like, like seems, seems we've lost complete uh, uh track of it yeah and also that, that, that fbi the fbi agent who got busted uh for being a russian agent he was also in charge of an investigation because we had a whole bunch of spies that all of a sudden were dying and disappearing around 2010 and he was the agent put in charge to investigate like oh, why is this happening uh and oh. it seems likely that it was happening because he was the one giving up their names Man, so you couldn't fucking write this shit i know if it's you like, put that in the tv like, show you'd be like oh there's no way he'd be appointed like <laughs> exactly that's that's like the homeland type stuff you see in the tv shows like and you know dude it's wild it's 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 on another level that that like there's there got to be a come to jesus moment i think for the u.s intelligence community <laughs> especially because we are just dropping the ball left and right on these things and uh because we're just so we're so focused on the digital that we just no longer have the human uh uh intelligence and, and like yeah and human intelligence yeah 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 and and we and we and we politicize a whole bunch of it. I mean, think back to Scooter Libby and Dick Cheney when they outed Valerie Plame, mm-hmm. right? So George Bush Jr. says Russia's or uh, Iraq is making weapons of mass destruction. They're gonna release these chemicals and biologicals and nuclear. And then they tap Valerie Plame as a CIA agent to go investigate it. She goes about. Oh, sorry, her husband. Her husband. Uh, Wilson, Peter Wilson, what was his last first? I can't remember. You tap him. He's an ambassador to like do this investigation. He does the investigation. He's like, no, they don't have the capability of doing this stuff. There's, there's no weapon of ma- weapons of mass destruction in in Iraq. And then Dick Cheney's like, his wife works for the CIA, <laughs> and she's like, I am a knock. I have assets all over the world. No one is supposed to know my identity. And now they know everything. And then all of a sudden her assets start getting assassinated all over the world. Uh, And like there's, there's something in a lot of elected officials that they just don't seem to take these things very seriously that like, you know, there's kind of a, a balance. There should be uh, uh, some sort of, I don't know, uh, loyalty to the nation the fact that you've got hostile other nations that want to destroy everything you have and granted you guys are like everyone's fighting against it all the time i wish there was more peace than that but like you can't negotiate with russia you can't like putin will say something and then just do the opposite because he doesn't care like <laughs> what are you going to do about it i have nuclear bombs uh yeah. so you need to have I mean, these most of us in the west are literally the same we're just as fucking yeah. bad about it exactly so no no so no we won't move NATO you, bases yeah. west of berlin we wouldn't do that no. yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> so you know we uh we so like but it doesn't, doesn't do the western government's any any service when like you're burning your spies <laughs> and you know you might have a dutch intelligence officer who would love to give information to the u.s government but is scared that perhaps they're going to get outed by some random ass congressman from East Bumfuck who, you know, uh, overheard something in a meeting and was like, and then, you know, blabbed it to their mistress. Uh, 
Oh, we tighten that. We tighten that ship up more. It's it's all just a mess. Stuns me that they don't get really... training on this because you'd think because like because they get training on a bunch of blows stuff. Blows my mind. Yeah, yeah. They get trained. They get no training whatsoever. They go. They go through like this like this like class before they get um uh uh like ent- before they enter Congress on like January third. They go through this class. It's like okay, this is how you write a bill. This is how you pass a bill. This is the Roberts Rules of Order. They do those things, but they aren't like okay. When you are on the campaign and you're at the hotel bar, you are going to be met with a Chinese agent who's really hot and she's going to want to sleep with you. And you're going to have to go, sorry, hot lady, not today. Because <laughs> you are a spy. Or if you're, you're really smart, learning. you say yes yeah. and then literally tell them the most bullshit things that you can possibly imagine. Exactly. And then you let the FBI know like, hey, dude, I totally scored with this hot spy. Uh, I told all this bullshit. So if you start seeing this stuff spread around on the chatter channels, that was me. Like, then yeah. you can be a hero. Yeah. yeah. Turns out the so. Lincoln Monument, there's actually a rocket inside it. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. An ICBM in there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that would actually be really funny. If you knew you were being honey potted, or like, I don't know, if you knew you were being like, um, fucking filmed by project veritas and see what yeah. sort of wild shit people would believe that would be that would be really fun uh, well that's 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 what russia was started doing um did you ever read the winds of change uh documents that were coming out of russia during this re- ukraine war recently don't think so um uh so really fast so there's there's a battle happening within the FSB in Russia over the war in Ukraine. There's a whole group. They're like, this is fucked up. We should never have done this. Yeah. We want Putin to go down. And so they were sneaking these, these intelligence documents to some journalists in Europe. Like, Hey, this is what's happening internally. Uh, yeah. These are the struggles. These, these yeah, are the yeah, players. Yeah. And so, uh, Russia started, they, 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 they were trying to find who's the spy who's leaking all this information about like, oh, this is when we're going to evade, this is the troop movements, whatever. Um, and so they started like telling different things to different members of the FSB to try and see what got passed along to the Americans and to, to these and to these journalists. And the, whoever it was, was high enough up, they knew who was getting what information. And, and so eventually this woman uh, uh, made it to, I think, France, to declare asylum and she's like i am winds of change i can no longer be passing these things along uh because it's getting too dangerous for me but for eight months she she managed to take all this intelligence data that the fsb had and was passing it along to these journalists in europe and you know but 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 what russia was trying to do is like we're going to okay you igor uh we're going to tell you this one thing that we're doing and then you, Boris, we're going to tell you, and you, Svetlana, we're going to tell you. And then to see, like, okay, we told 100 different stories, which one popped up in these in these uh, uh, articles by these journalists. And Someone's been watching Game of Thrones. You must still be able to get HBO in Russia. Yep. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that is, it's a puritarian but, move. Uh, yeah. Anyway, man, I got to run because I have, yes. uh, I'm going to get dinner with some friends of mine because, yeah, I'm back home here for Woo. two weeks. So I'm seeing some people that haven't in a while. So, All right. um, thank you very much. This has been no. wildly fun and educational as ever. Um, is there anything you want to plug before we finish? Uh, I guess, you know, swing by my YouTube channel. We're talking about this bullshit all day long. Uh, and so it's youtube.com slash Houston Wade. 
Uh, follow my Twitter at the Houston Wade and swing by my um, Reddit. It's r Houston Wade slash Houston Wade. So visit, chit chat, send me DMs. I try to answer everybody who sends me a message. Uh, I could do that until you know maybe I get too many followers or something. But I spend most of my day answering people's DMs. <laughs> that's that's my job. To really, it's wow. what it is now. Yeah. So yeah, thank you so much. It's always fun. No and uh, I, I love the diversity of topic that we're that we're hitting. Yeah, Blast. lots of, lots of yeah. great stuff. But yeah, yeah. Um, I will put links in the description for everyone. Um, and yeah, thanks very much. Thank you. Have a great day. Enjoy dinner. Hey everyone, thanks for making it right the way to the end of the podcast. I love that you tuned in this long. Do me a favor, hit subscribe because eighty percent of you bastards are not subscribing, but you're watching my videos. See you next time. <laughs>